You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're standing on the surface of the perforated sphere, which is mid-season, as the FPL binge of Christmas gives way to the drip feed once more. With Kane and Spurs in the groove, Salah punishing Sellers somewhat, and Kun only getting an assist to Anfield, we have lots to talk about. Lingard, of course, tonight, blanking despite being the highest brought-in player. I'm joined today by Nick. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. It's been another good week for me. Uh, but before we get into that, let's just do the title and registration and say who we are. We are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. You can also find us online at whogottheassist.com. And please follow us, subscribe to the pod and tell your friends if you like what you hear. Of course, yeah, hit those buttons. Uh, today, to today's pod is a bit of a return to the norm. However, we decided to stick with the meta-talking points and analysis approach rather than running the game recaps we were doing uh, earlier on in the season. We feel that's kind of covered elsewhere and discussing this sort of thing is probably more useful uh, to you guys in terms of uh, us giving our views and our analysis. Let us know if you have any feedback on this, but you know, I think that this is going to be a lot more beneficial and uh, hopefully sounds a lot better and a lot more interesting. Um, today's pod will cover uh, some meta-talking points, including herd mentality, uh, with Lingard coming in to a lot of squads, half a million, I think, over half a million. And that's definitely a personal issue at the moment. Kun Aguero versus Firmino. Uh, and end on uh, captaincy choice, amongst some other things, uh, is, is at the end of choice in terms of uh, Kane and Salah being so good, followed by regular features. And then we'll go into your questions. Yep. And as always, thanks for the questions, guys. And do let us know also what you think about continuing the talking points format or if you prefer us go, going back to sort of a game by game analysis. So anyway, Tom, how was your game week? It was actually pretty good. Um, it, it is tinged with a bit of disappointment, however. So I end up with 81. I've got seven from De Gea, which unfortunately seems to have knocked you out of the of the yeah, FPL. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I've got two points from Lingard, unfortunately, um, but end up with 81. I'm up to, to 250k, um, which was, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a kind of a far off dream a little while ago, but but now appears to be a kind of reality. I'm climbing those narrow stairs um, up to a decent level and hoping to get to 100k kind of, you know, uh, before double game weeks. But 
yeah, it's tinge of a little bit of disappointment, I've got to say. Um, I took out Son for Lingard. Um, I think we're going to talk about this immediately after you tell us how you did. Took out Son for Lingard, and uh, yeah, Son obviously punished me with a 13 pointer. I actually watched that game as well, so it was even more galling. And um, Lingard, of course, has left me of crooked teeth uh, through his uh, his two pointer tonight. What about you? At least you didn't captain Lingard, because I know you attempted to um, to swap the captaincy from Kane to Lingard, and you were kind of weighing it up um, at the last minute, yeah, going yeah. the whole hog. So uh... yeah, poor old Marco. We should mention our designer captain Lingard, and watching him uh, fall apart on Slack this evening was was a kind of a a, a delight in, uh, in 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 how one man's uh, emotions can be toyed with by fantasy football. <laughs> Definitely. I think the doors were unlocked and open for many people with Lingard. But yeah, unfortunately, didn't work out. I mean, for me, it was another good week, as I alluded to earlier. Um, 88 points this time, which is just frankly ridiculous, to be honest. Like now up to now up to 6K, I think we we're just discussing about how I seem to be outscoring you by about eight or nine points every game week. And you've probably only beaten me about twice. So yeah, I don't know how. I really don't know where it comes from. Like this week is just... Like Hedesy getting a nice eight pointer randomly, Ericsson, you know, Alonso and Altovic, we both had. He, he's done really well for us. Yeah. Um, we kept the faith with Salah. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well later and Captain Kane. But um, yeah, I think the letdown, I guess, was Murata. He's, he's someone who's really knocking on the exit door right now, but we'll talk about him as well. So yeah, good score. Very happy with the rank. The only downside, I guess, is this uh, De Gea clean sheets and De Gea has um, been one of those players I really probably should have owned this season but um, yeah that clean sheets managed to knock me out of the cup by one point so yeah a bit frustrated with that but otherwise yeah happy yeah fair enough fair enough so let's move on to the first talking point and I think the first talking point Correctly so is is herd mentality, and it's a uh, herd mentality in the view of Jesse Lingard. As I said, brought in by over five hundred thousand uh, FPL managers this week. The most recent victim of the of the spurious curse that's going around. Uh, the most transferred in player blanking only Salah has uh, has managed to throw off the shackles of this curse. And I think um, it's worth just revisiting quickly what herd mentality is from a psychological perspective, because you heard people saying about it a lot. Heard people throwing the term out. I think it's just worth explaining what this is. Um, so herd mentality is the psychological tendency to, of course, follow the crowd. And it's rooted in twin impulses of fear and greed. Uh, this can be kind of directly reading advice on Twitter or being driven by behavioural cues, such as, you know, looking at price rise trends uh, to understand the pleasure you should get in. Uh, from the perspective of evolutionary psychology, this tendency makes complete sense. So imagine a, uh, a mindset of a figurative cave person. Uh, imagine suddenly some food becomes available to you. So let's say a dead antelope or something is brought back to your cave. And you see other people eating it cave person you will want to get into the action as well right your survival instinct kicks in you don't want to go without and die that's the kind of the fear part i spoke about and you want to be nourished and survive another day which is greed obviously there's a few other things that kind of feed into this so let's keep it quite streamlined for now and applying this to fpl you're looking for the best decision to make for your team and when you're doing that uh, you're liable to being influenced and swept along by popular opinion more so than anybody else especially if you're kind of you know quite engaged like we are Lots of people are also fishing in a fairly limited set of players. They'll make a kind of a similar decision about what's the best choice. And your decision uh, through being exposed to that stream of information tends to reflect what we call the meta. So the meta is uh, 
the popular opinion of what is the best strategy to meet the evolving challenges of FPL week to week. So we see herd mentality in play in people's behaviours and decisions they make. Uh, greed, because we desire the points outputs from the players in fashion. So this week, people saw that Lingard was at, on absolute fire um, and they wanted those points for themselves. And fear, because we don't want to miss out on the points outputs from that choice. So a lot of people kind of saw Lingard was rising. They saw people also bringing Lingard in and thought, oh, you know, I've got to get, I've got to get, uh, you know, have a piece of this. Normally, going with the herd is a good thing um, because, you know, Captain and Kane this week, like a lot of people did, he won the Captain Bowls by a long way, uh, sees you well. And that's the survival instinct. But sometimes, of course, it doesn't quite work. So, um, you know, if you, if you had Captain Kane, you know, for some of the weeks where he blanked at home against easier teams... Um, that could have perhaps been the week to go against herd mentality. But it's very difficult to kind of to manage that and choose when the best time is. Uh, so, Nick, you, you managed to go without Lingard this week. And uh, I think this season you've been a lot more kind of conservative and been uh, sucked in as much by what people have been saying and, and the market trends and things like that, despite talking about it a lot. And I wonder, you know, what kinds of things do you do to make sure that you're protecting yourself against kind of some of the spurious trends that I've been getting involved with? And you need the facts and you need to vote yes or no in, at the end of the day. And I, I kind of looked at Lingard and then I looked at my team and I thought, well, there's no one in particular I really want to sell. I did weigh up the idea of doing a Loftus cheek to Lingard type move, but I didn't actually have the funds for that. So that would have been a minus four if I did that. I know Twitter was wild for it and I was very tempted and could have easily been led down that garden path. I could have sold the likes of Anatovic, who was a doubt um, leading up to the game and not everyone, you know, he was yellow flags, I think, up until Thursday or Friday. Or even Ericsson, um, Spurs' fixture wasn't, you know, the easiest. Everton um, tends to be a tougher game. And I could have made the similar move to you. But, um, yeah, practising patience really has um, paid off this season for me. Just kind of like look, looking at the players, looking at my actual team and thinking, is, is this move really necessary? Or do you, do I actually think the players I have can return the points? And I looked at my team and I thought, nope, they're fine. And I, I feel bad because perhaps I should have given you a reason for uh, Son to stay, Tom, because... <laughs> Obviously, Son's, Son's been great for Spurs this season. And in the last six game weeks, he's had three goals, 18 attempts, which is the sixth highest for all midfielders. He's really um, settled into the first um, first team of Spurs, working alongside Ali Kane and uh, Ericsson as part of a front four. And yeah, I mean, there was a lot of hype around Lingard. Everyone on Twitter was talking about him. But I just thought, actually, I, I need a Manchester United player desperately. But there was one man I thought, I'd bring in, and that was Phil Jones, because just because um, going without the United defence has punished me all season, really, and it was finally time to actually get someone in. Uh, is, is your, do you get bonus tonight, Phil? No, Jones? no. So is you, I mean, you still managed to do that, and I think I, I think you're right. Like sometimes I feel like we try to do things on instinct, and the fact is sometimes instincts are misleading, and you shouldn't feel what you're feeling, and um, you should try to, you know, take an objective view of things, and the, the beauty of things nowadays, having the stats that are available widely, you know, you can assess things, and you've got to look at your own team as well, and I think kind of where I fell down a little bit this week, and you know, I, I accept this is going to happen, like, I'm, I'm no, I'm not ever going to position myself as being, you know, above this, um, and above this kind of basic human instinct to want to belong. You know, I try, and doing pods is very useful, and last week Week, of course, I did give some data for why I was going for Lingard. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, it's useful to try to use these kind of these stats that I've just mentioned to try to give yourself a sense of objectiveness and you know distance from from making those decisions um, you know, governed by impulse. And I think that that's probably where I fell down. I think I was looking too much at, you know, the value that I could potentially get out of Lingard as well because of the rises. And I think I was looking at him 
a bit as a kind of you know a cheap option who was undervalued in terms of what he could actually produce but you know easily today it could have been um a different story if Lingard had gone on and smashed it I mean there were three I think attempts Nick that uh three assists that, that didn't quite work and I think he assisted the assister right yeah, it's always the way, isn't it, that the play... I mean, we talked a, a fair bit about the FPL curse this season and the most transferred-in player seems to to blank every game week apart from perhaps that Salah week you mentioned. And, yeah, it's just once again with Lingard, just it's always the way. Maybe maybe the player's affected by psychology himself. They see themselves being transferred <laughs> in an FPL and think, oh, I've got to reward all my owners and then just go ahead and blow it. But I think... Um, You've always, I think this season, you've always been chasing that differential a little bit more than me, perhaps. And I've kind of stuck with um, a, a few core players, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. Let's move on to the next topic about uh, Kun and Firmino. So, uh, John T, fans football scout, asked us, you know, which one would you get in uh, to replace Morata? Which I think is probably a question you're grappling with, at Nick, as well. And um, there's a couple of questions as well about Firmino without Coutinho and how Firmino is going to do. So I think, Nick, what, what are you going to do uh, with Morata? Are, are Kun and Firmino your choices? And, and what, are you, what are you thinking of doing as a next step? I've been quite patient with Morata, but I think um, the silence that um, he continues to provide has, has become so clear that he's, he's long ago disappeared. So I think, um, I, think it's, um, I think it's time for him to go. And um, yeah, I mean, to... Very good options, Aguero and Firmino. At the moment, for me, Firmino is definitely the more appealing prospect. Um, the problem, obviously, with Aguero is his price. So even just to afford Aguero, I'll need to take a minus four. But if I was to get in Firmino, I would be able to... It's 2.6 million cheaper than Aguero, actually. This would allow me, um, when I wanted, to upgrade the likes of Loftus-Cheek to Lingard if I wanted to, to set up a five-man midfielder and still have an extra 0.7, potentially, to upgrade a... A defender and bringing the likes of him, gentle Ben Davies, perhaps <laughs> uh, Davis. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I always mean, just want to go back to Davis. Yeah, yeah, I do want to get back. To I mean, he started my season off really in, in the <laughs> trajectory. What I quite like about Firmino as well, actually, is his ability to get assists, and it's something um, very few attackers manage. And it just mm. shows that he's a he's more of a complete player. He's had 25 um, assists in since he joined the Premier League, and that's nearly double what Aguero's managed in the same amount of time. Um, so Aguero's only had 13 in the last two and a half seasons. Firmino's had 25. Kane, he's only had one this season. So Firmino obviously really showing his um, potential to, to work alongside um, the other fab three that they are now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I did a little kind of look at Firmino and Kun, and uh, yeah, I, I think... Um, it is pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty clear that well. One, obviously, you've got the val- You've got the value difference, as you say. Kun is eleven point seven. He's two point six more than Firmino, and for that, you do get more goal attempts. So he's had fifteen goal attempts in the last four, whereas Firmino's only had nine. Uh, he has a, a higher frequency of attempts, so he's had an attempt every twenty one point six minutes versus twenty nine point six for Firmino. But what's different for Firmino, as you said, is is the assists. So. Um, he uh, he's he's had in the last four three through balls, none for Kun. Created seven chances, of which one were a big chance, only five for Kun, and created a chance uh, just under once every forty minutes, which is which is pretty decent. And in terms of involvement as well, Firmino is involved in thirty six percent of Liverpool's goals uh, versus just twenty nine percent for Kun. This is in the last four, of course. 
And uh, yeah, it, given the price and given the kind of the fixtures being fairly similar, so in terms of uh, in terms of relative ease, so I'm guessing that City at home is probably a little bit better. Firmino next to a Swansea and Huddersfield, whereas Kun uh, has uh, Newcastle and West Brom. But you know, I, I think that Firmino, as you say, because of the flexibility he gives you in your team, is really really good. And something about Kun as well, which I noticed, I was looking at this, and uh, Procoptus Ed, one of our writers, mentioned to us that. Uh, Kun had been matched by Callum Wilson over the last four. And I thought this is ridiculous. Uh, I looked into it and it's actually true. <laughs> so, um, it, it, yeah, um, so there's a slight overachieve by Wilson, of course. So his uh, XG is t- uh, 2.11 versus, versus uh, Kun's 2.39. It's just a little bit. Uh, so Wilson has scored more than he'd be expected to, and Kun has scored a little bit less than he'd be expected to. But th- in terms of stats over the last four, fairly similar. And they both had 26 pen box touches. They've both had 15 goal attempts. Both had 12 attempts in the box. And minutes per attempt, again, very, very similar. So Kun has an attempt every 21.6 minutes, as I said. Callum Wilson's having one every 23.6 minutes. <laughs> so I think it's just one of those times in the season. It's just really interesting that sometimes you see these kind of quirks in the data. I'm not saying for a second that uh, Callum Wilson is going to outscore Kun. But it's just an interesting point in time where you can kind of see, you know what, you've got this cheap player, 5.7 Callum Wilson, who obviously trolled me hugely earlier on in the season. Yeah. Um, outperforming Kun. Yeah. Or at least matching Kun, sorry. No, and then FPL Virgin asked us, um, Firmino or Wilson? And I guess that's a, you've just done a Wilson versus Aguero. So if we have a quick look at Firmino and Wilson, I think both um, have had three goals and assists in the, in the last five games. And I think both, had 15 shots as well in the last six, but uh, Firmino's, I think, has been slightly more prolific, I guess. But I think um, I think Wilson does, definitely does offer a, a decent choice at 5.7. I looked at the minutes per chance, actually, in the last six game weeks of all the top teams. Uh, so Chelsea have had 4.3, they're leading the way. Then it's Liverpool second with 5.2. City are 5.7. And um, I guess there's a big six in the Premier League at the moment because... Bournemouth, not Arsenal, are, are sixth in terms of minute <laughs> per chance with 6.1. And I guess that's partly due to Callum Wilson, who's really showed a bit of a poacher's instinct in the last few game weeks, uh, getting goals out of nowhere, seemingly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, heaven and hell seem to have decided that they're both satisfied uh, with, with Wilson's uh, run in the team. Uh, Defoe and King are both obviously out at the moment. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I think uh, we'll come on to this obviously a lot later, but I'm thinking of rolling this week. But bringing Wilson in for uh, Calvert-Lewin is obviously something which is on my mind, um, but I'm just not sure whether I'll go for it. And I think I think the final thing to talk about, I mean, we, we spoke about Firmino a little bit, is Firmino and Coutinho. So we know Coutinho's gone. Uh, Coutinho was a, was a big part of Liverpool. And now the, and the debate has been raging about which ones, if Firmino is able to play without Coutinho, off the back, back of one game uh, recently, it might it might kind of seem that way. Um, as with everything we do, it's it's all about FPL in terms of how we've been digging through this data. And I did a, a fairly simple analysis, really. So I checked Firmino game Firmino games with and without Coutinho in 2016-17, 2017-18. I counted them up. I counted up the points that he'd scored with and without, and worked out points per game. I think it is close. So in 2016-17, he played eight games without Coutinho and scored 24 points, which is three points per game. He scored. He played 28 points with Coutinho. He scored 156 points, which is 5.5 points per game. So three points per game versus 5.5. Bear those in mind. This year, 
He's played nine without Coutinho. He scored 49 points, which is 5.4 points per game. So he's matching what he got with Coutinho last year. And uh, with Coutinho, he played 14 games. He scored 68 points and got 4.8 points per game. Overall, so combine them. Uh, without Coutinho, he's played 17 games in the last couple of seasons. He's got 73 points, which is 4.2. Uh, points per game with Coutinho he's played 42 po- he's played 42 games listed 224 points which is 5.3 points per game so the answer is that last year he really struggled without Coutinho this year he's not struggling as much and the signs are good watching Liverpool playing Man City that he is able to play without Coutinho and I think probably the big reason for that is Mo Salah um, and I think that He's the factor who what that wasn't involved last year when they were relying on Coutinho for those points and for that industry and for that drive. I think now with Salah there, you know, yeah, they've lost they've lost Coutinho, they've lost that creativity, um, but they still have a player who can you know change games. Obviously, there's, there's lots of different ways of looking at it. I wish we could open our eyes and see all of the different ways we could look at it. Um, but just from an FPL points point of view, I'm not that worried about Firmino without Coutinho. So I <laughs> I, I hesitate to say it, but I am. Um, I've had I've had Firmino for a while, been very happy with his output, and I think it may continue for a little while. Yeah, you make a compelling point there, and I'm very tempted to follow you into the dark and actually um, actually get Firmino in myself this game week for sure. And uh, I think he's on he's on for a record uh, goal scoring season because um, he's he's managed double figures yet again. But I think the last couple of seasons he's only got about ten or eleven goals, but um, he's already on ten, so he should he should break that record. And he's he's really outperforming. It's a shame. I mean, he's an attacker this season as opposed to a midfielder because if he was a midfielder, he'd be getting even more points and perhaps be nailed on in everyone's team. But he's now the second highest scoring midfielder even, and he's outscoring Aguero in terms of points so far this season. So, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm going to be transferring you in for Morata. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. So I think that our general judgment at the moment is Firmino over Aguero uh, just because of cash situations i suspect the next three games are going to be very fruitful for aguero owners but in terms of you know the template or in terms of most people's teams i'd say that everyone's got kane um people may have then a, a cheap striker and the what the kind of the second striker slot is the one that we're playing with here and i think for the good of your team and for the spread of uh, resources elsewhere as you say, you've got to take hits, uh, you personally and me too, to bring Kun in. It just doesn't feel like at the moment there's a compelling case, given the fact that I'm holding Firmino, I'm happy with him. For you, you've got to take hits. You can bring Firmino in for Morata. Great. Um, I, I think that that's definitely what I'd do. Um, if you can bring in Kun on a, as a straight swap, um, I, I think it may... And you Maybe if you don't have Sterling and Otamendi, that might be something that i definitely consider. But with Sterling and Otamendi in situ for me, I just kind of feel like... I'm I'm happy to leave it for a week um, and see you know Newcastle at home. You all remember the five goals, but for me, I think that that's kind of the, the route I'm going down. Okay, Nick, let's take a break and we'll move on to talking about uh, Kane Slar on the end of choice, and then maybe talk about the running. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Should we move on then, Nick, and go on to uh, go on to the next thing? And it is about Kane, Salah, and the end of choice. Um, so Andy at France Football Scout asked us how much of a mistake selling Salah was. And uh, I think this is just something which is, uh, you know, we've been speaking about it for a little while. We've been alluding to it. I was speaking to FPL Connect and Stephen Toomey and a few others earlier on about this as well. A lot of people are now realising, we said earlier on in the season, always Captain Kane could be an option as a strategy. But now it seems, you know, you've got Kane captain, Salah Vice, and you keep swapping them around. And I, the question I want to ask is, uh, is there now a reason to ever captain anybody else? Outside of Kane and Salah? 
Possibly not. I mean, yeah. looking at Salah's um, record, um, so obviously he missed a game week, but he scored eight points, 10 points, nine points, 14 points, and then 11 points um, against Manchester City of all clubs. So I think he, he definitely offers himself as a leave it on Salah every every week and, and he'll he'll return you points. He's got Swansea up next and you'd be mad not to captain him. But of course, there's Harry Kane as well. <laughs> Harry Kane is... Let's just um, not talk about the uh, double game week. But, um, aside from that, he's got he got back-to-back hat-tricks and then another brace this game week. And he's, and he's playing Southampton away from home and... Southampton at home, he scored a hat-trick again. So you could easily see him repeating that um, against a, a very weak Southampton side. So it's quite tough, actually, the captaincy pick this game, this game week, looking at those two players. And you were talking a little bit about the end of choice because I think um, these guys have to be in everyone's team. And, and there's, there's been sort of three generals, I guess, in my team that have really led the way this season. And I think really huge factors in terms of my overall rank because I've had them since the start of the season. That's um, that's Kane and Salah, and I want to I want to throw Alonso's name out there as well because yeah, yeah. Alonso's just been absolutely smashing it in terms of report um, points. And in even like just in the last um, six, he's returned points every game week. He's got three goals, and he's managed um, he's managed five clean sheets, and and he's only priced at seven point three. So I'd really say that. He's a must-own if you haven't owned him already because he's now outscoring everyone bar Salah, Sterling, De Bruyne and Kane. So at 7.3, he's a complete bargain. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I mean, I had a look, actually, as always, at Kane and Salah, and I looked at their, their records this year, and it is pretty crazy. So Kane, over the course, he's missed one game. He's had played 22 games. He's on 6.7 points per game. Uh, he's had 12 blanks, um, so half of the game he's been in the, it's been a blank, unfortunately. Uh, in two game weeks, game week 13 against West Brom, 14 against Leicester, he's scored one goal, which is 9% of his games. But in 41% of games, he's scored more than eight points. And... In the games that he scored a goal in, his average is 12.8 points per game. So if he scores, you're on for 26 points if you've captained him effectively, which is absolutely insane. The stats remain crazy. So in 22 matches this year, he's had 130 goal attempts, 20 more than he managed last season. He's three pen box touches shy of his number for last year, and he's cut his frequency of attempts by about a third. So he's having a shot every 14 minutes versus one every 23 minutes last season. But the big revelation for me, and one that makes me doubt my ability as an FPL manager, is Mo Salah. The data here is ridiculous. So Salah is on eight 8.1 points per game. Uh, he's had five blanks out of 22 games, and of those 22, he's had three sub appearances, only 23% blanks. <laughs> and in nine percent of games, he's he's had just an assist, including a missed penalty, of course, to your chagrin. Um, but in 15 out of 22 games, 68% of his matches, he scored uh, seven points or more. If he gets scoring in a game, he gets 10 points per game. He's got a higher conversion rate than Kane. He creatively matches Kane, and he has a better shot accuracy, incredibly, as well. Um, for context, Sterling has only had 60% of the shots that Salah has had, uh, 58 to, uh, versus 88. And I'd say that Sterling is another kind of one of those generals. Looking at this data, with Kane 6.7 points per game, Salah 8.1 per game, if Kane scores, he's going to score more. Um, but Salah equally per game is going to net you a, a higher baseline. And I think the kind of the, the watchword for me is that Kane has got a higher ceiling, but Salah has got a higher floor. And you know, the final thing to kind of mention here is that in terms of big teams, 
Salah is the clear winner. So Kane has only played four games against the big teams. That's why there's three big games coming up for him to kind of even it out. He's only got a 4.75 average versus the big teams he's played, which are uh, Chelsea, Arsenal and Man City, where he blanked and he got a brace versus Liverpool. Salah has played six big teams and he has 8.2 in matches against big teams, which includes a golden assist against Arsenal twice. Against City this game week, he scored against Chelsea and against Spurs and he only blanked in the 0-0 with United. Um, so yeah, Kane higher ceiling, Salah higher floor. I think that at the moment it's looking like those two are are, are kind of the default captain and vice captain options. Um, with Kane's difficult free fixtures coming up, that might be something to bear in mind. Um, so after the Southampton game, Spurs have got Man United, Liverpool, and Arsenal. However, it would seem always Captain Kane and Captain Salah might be a way forward. You know, I looked at that day, so I just thought, why have I not Captain Salah at all this year? So I might do it this weekend out of guilt more than anything. <laughs> I think it might be time. I mean, this season is ridiculous. He's had 10 double-figure hauls so far. He's actually outscoring Harry Kane by 32 points, and that is just mental. So he's outscoring the second highest, joint second-highest scorer in the game by a whole 32 points. So Salah is just hitting new milestones, and he's been a just complete revelation since he, um, since he joined Liverpool. It's just unbelievable. But Kane as well, I mean... This guy has just broken Spurs' um, record for goals in the Premier League and breaking Teddy Sheringham's record. Um, he, he had 97 goals in 236 appearances. Kane has managed 98 in 135 appearances. So uh, a whole hundred less appearances he's broken the record. It's shocking. He's had 20 goals now for the fourth season in a row and only um, Alan Shearer and Thierry Henry have, have managed this before. So, um, yeah, he's definitely going to be crazy, isn't it? even more expensive next season and and Salah will be expensive as well and Alonso will be more expensive and you're yeah. thinking, how the hell are we going to fit all these yeah, guys? Yeah, I know. I know. We we said have to do some non-division, I guess, to try and fit all in. <laughs> I think we said at the start of this season, didn't we, that it was going to be the season of choice. Next season, my Lord, it's going to be even more of a season of choice because you're going to, you know, you're going to be making your team up and you're going to have to start again because you're going to miss somebody out and you're going to have to, you know, leave someone out and just say to them, someday you will be loved. And it, it, it's looking like it's going to be very difficult. Selling Salah, just to go back to the original question, probably was a mistake given the fact that you've lost a lot of money. Uh, you've lost kind of 0.5 perhaps, if you're 0.6, depending on how early you got him in. If you got him in late, he fair fall, enough. No, he didn't fall, exactly, for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's, it, it is crazy. And I think that for, for me at the moment, captain, captain one of Salah or Kane and vice-captain the other seems to be the way forward as far as I see it. Um, the final thing I think for us to talk about is is, is the run-in. Um, and I think we're, we're kind of getting there. We're, I mean, we could talk about double game week, and I think that you know there'll be multiple times to talk about this going forward. Um, but for now, I think that let's keep it to something else. Let's talk about the run-in. And um, Harman Sandu on Reddit actually asked us about this to some extent because he asked us about Leicester, um, which kind of fits into this. So which teams do we think of good fixtures that we'd advise keeping an eye on um, over the course of the, over the course of the season? Um, sorry, over the course of the end of the season. Um, so we've looked at our ticker and we've noticed that some teams basically have gotten their tricky fixtures out of the way. So they're not playing too many top six teams anymore. And uh, what we're focusing on a little bit is the chaff of your teams rather than the wheat. Uh, they're the ones which kind of give clutter to the empty room of a blank team rather than being the centrepiece. And uh, you know, Leicester, I, I put a tweet out on Wednesday afternoon about it. Um, I noticed that they only face Man City in 37 and Arsenal in 31. Um but apart from that, they've got basically a clear run until the final day when they play Spurs. Um, 
which is looking pretty, you know, uh, their players, it depends, obviously, they, there's obviously the question of motivation. But, you know, having a Vardy or having a Mares or having an old Brighton, having a Maguire for that kind of, uh, that kind of procession of fixtures looks pretty good. I mean, old Brighton, I'd look at him really quickly. Um, last season, he got two goals and six assists. This year, he's matched that already, but he's put in more free balls and had a few more shots uh, in terms of, uh, in proportionally to last year. Um, so he's one which is really interesting. What, what do you think about this, Nick? Have you got any other, Have you got any teams that you've looked at or anything on Leicester? Yeah, I mean, talking about Leicester has made me think maybe I'd have a little punt at Riyad Mahrez, perhaps because um, obviously Spurs fixtures are stiffening. So perhaps in a week or so, I might do an Ericsson to Mahrez move. By then, it'll be the 30th of January that he plays um, Everton. So any um, room, I think he's going to stay at Leicester, but any sort of transfer rumour will have passed as well by then. And <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be settled ready to to finish for the season. And he, he's someone that's just been really smashing it. He's been somewhat under the radar, I guess, a little bit this season. It's not the same sort of level of heroics that he got when he was, um, of when Leicester won the league. But he is actually the fourth highest scoring midfielder in the game. He's had seven goals, 10 assists as well. And he's just been he's been very consistent in terms of his returns, apart from I think the game week where he blanked and everyone captained him. Um but uh, yeah, no, I think um I think one of my friends Tack captained him against Crystal Palace and he got a two pointer. But um, <laughs> aside from that, he's he's been very consistent. He's um, in just in the last few game weeks, he's he's got a five, eight, five, fourteen and a three. So, you know, very decent returns. And uh, yeah, I guess he, he can fit in as a sort of a passenger seat, I guess, within our teams. Um, not not the leading men like Salah and Kane, but um, just one of those guys just in the background that can get you consistent points. Um, aside from Leicester, I think there's a few teams. West Ham have a decent run still. They've got Bournemouth, Palace, Brighton, Watford. So I, I imagine after Anatovic's um, sterling performance that more people might be drafting him in. Because um, obviously he got a goal and three assists last game week. Stoke also have great fixtures, and um, and they're the, I think alongside Everton they're the only team at the moment that will not have a blank game week. But the problem with Stoke is there's just no one. There's no one there that really interests um, anyone. I did have a look at. I did actually have a look at Butland because um, you've yeah. been um, talking about how Crystal Palace might be uh, purchasing. I think his name's Gaitar. He would absolutely destroy my goalkeeping situation because at the moment I've I was quite settled with Hennessy and Spironi. After a bit of a stuff up, a few game weeks, these guys have started getting me some decent points, and I didn't really want to to break the partnership in goal because they're so cheap as well. But um, I may have to at some point change up one of those guys, and I thought oh, maybe I could get Butland in if Stoke don't have any blanks. He's Obviously, Stoke have been horrendously uh, horrendous defensively all season. I think they've only managed about two clean sheets. But Butland has been racking up the save points. He's about, I think, he's about sixth or seventh at the moment um, for saves out of all goalkeepers. So he's had a he's had a relatively decent um, season despite the amount of goals that he's um, conceded. The only annoying thing about uh, Butland actually is he hasn't dropped in price at all all season. Apparently, so he's still at five point zero, which is a bit annoying. But he was um he was a good goalkeeper to have a couple of seasons going in for him. And if a new manager can actually fix Stokes defence, he might be um he might be a decent option in, in the coming yeah. game. Am I gonna trust Paul Lambert to do that? Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I think I think for me, if I was doing it chopping around for a five point zero keeper, it's gonna have to be Pickford. Um I, I mean Everton are another team um who 
don't really have that many difficult games to go, despite being in some travails at the moment. They've only got Arsenal, Man City and Liverpool to go with the two, uh, the former two fixtures, Man City and Liverpool, both at home. And they also have no blank, as Nick said, in 31. Uh, the key men there are probably Pickford, maybe Balassi, maybe Walcott if he goes. I think, you know, the, at the start of last season, we were selling Sanchez because Walcott was picking up the slack. And uh, obviously our man, uh, our man, uh, Cenk Tosin. Um, and finally, I think the one I want to mention is, is Burnley. So, uh, after they play uh, Man United and City, they've got quite a, a couple of difficult games and the game week 26, it kind of stops. And they only play uh, Chelsea and Arsenal in their final 12 game weeks. Um, the downside, of course, is, uh, is bench syndrome and being worked out. Um, but the key men there are the defence. Um, so obviously the big job for us earlier on in the season, especially for you, Nick, in terms of building team value, <laughs> um, in terms of filling a spot and overperforming in that spot, you know, fire and forget. And only given week they could... Uh, net a clean sheet and if they've got in 12 fixtures 10 which are winnable you know the likes of Lowton at 4.4 Taylor at 4.2 and Barsley at 4.3 who are all duking it out for the spot alongside me Tarko and probably Warb will come back to the team at 4.8 uh both a bit expensive um but you know having one of those guys in as part of a bench rotation or as part of a bench thing could be really useful banks uh, blanks and doubles of course permitting yeah, you make a good point there. I think um, the Burnley defence is suddenly going to become meta again after them all getting injured and leaving our teams. I think um, they were a big part of the early season defence, like a key member. Of some, literally everyone had like a Burnley defender for a number of game weeks. And after after the City game, especially, I think... Um, I think there'll be a bit of slight lightness in our defence again with a, with a Burnley defender. Yeah, definitely sounds plausible. OK, Nick, let's take a break and then we'll move on to the features. That sounds good. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to talk about the anti-meta team. And uh, this is our team of players who aren't in the template being spoken about in the wider meta at the moment. Uh, I think uh, we added in uh, Tosin and Atsu this game week, but uh, disaster struck, didn't it? Because of obviously the Sanchez move, he was our captain, so he wasn't in the squad for Bournemouth. And I think uh, the vice was Tosin. And I guess, <laughs> I guess it was a bit too soon to uh, to captain Tosin, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit too soon to bring him in. So uh, unfortunately, Sanchez uh, Sanchez blanked, and it's the vice is going to pass to to Tosin. And uh, Millie is going to come off the bench for Sanchez for three points, but it's not looking the best. Unfortunately, they've uh, probably gotten away with just twenty, uh, just over thirty points, <laughs> which isn't it, obviously uh, in of itself is pretty bad. And I think that what that demonstrates now is that we can hear the sound of the template settling, and the fact is that. At the start of the season, I think things were a bit more up in the air and people weren't too sure what was going on. Form hadn't quite been uh, established. And part of that is because of the international breaks as well. Um, but what we're seeing now, I think, is that we, teams are kind of clicking into gear. Teams have been playing with each other for a while. All the new recruits have been bedded in. Manager, managerial ideas for a lot of clubs have been transmitted. And um, yeah, I, I mean, in of itself, it just shows the fact that the template is is uh, is there for a reason, as Alex Ball was saying last week, and uh, 
no, it seems to be something that we should keep an eye on. Um, and if you do want to keep an eye on it, um, to have a look at, uh, at FPL Cloud on Twitter. He runs a very nice template team, uh, which he, he's got an affordable one and an unaffordable one. But the affordable one, as we said last week, is full of the players, you know, the Sterlings, the, Sa- the Salars, the Canes of this world, um, as you might expect. So so it's definitely something to keep an eye on and, uh, you know, something that we've, we've uh, you know, we're going to continue. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that, now we may be seeing the the emergence of of, of a template yeah um, i think we definitely are i mean this is the new year but i'm not i don't feel any different i'm still gonna have Salah in my team sterling kane alonso and i think majority of our listeners probably are going to as well so there's no new on watch this week uh, alan was only on for 10 minutes so we thought we'd save it until he plays a full game hopefully we'll play a full game soon with dawson maybe looking injured and uh, uh, we give us a bit more time to talk about uh, some other things. And uh, let's move on to the market forces then, Nick. This is our section where we use FPL data to describe some of the key trends in the FPL economy to try to give you guys an insight into who the key movers and shakers are. And uh, Nick, what have you been noticing this week? After, after Lingard's blank and his yellow card, it actually looks like he's being sold a fair bit. But um, the, the big transfer in at the moment is Anatovic. And after a 16-point return and um, just a all-round quality performance it's no surprise he's already had the price increase he's now up to 7.0 and he's had 111,000 transfers in I think it was I was looking at an out of his stat at when Billich was the manager and since David Moyes um, took over and it's just absolutely flabbergasting his, his improvement in terms of form and um, goal scoring ability and um, they've still got a great uh, round of fixtures Bournemouth at home Crystal Palace at home Brighton away Watford at home you can definitely see more points coming his way and uh, uh, second most transferred in is uh, Mo Salah and um, yep yeah obviously all the sellers got punished sadly um, (laughs) and uh, they're all probably bringing him back in now within their droves having having taken that hit in terms of selling him because of the injury and uh, he's already, he's had 90,000 transfers in and he is essential. So anyone who plays the game has to own him, really. We've talked a lot about him already on this podcast, but yeah, he really, not is, not really is essential. And uh, yeah, it's no surprise people drafting him in. And uh, being transferred out, however, is um, Alvaro Morata. And once again, it's no surprise, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's 70,000 um, transfers out so far. Um, net transfers out that is um, he's probably due a price fall as well I'm probably going to be one of those guys that does transfer him out and transfer in Firmino who seems to be the most transferred in um, strike at the moment so it seems actually it's quite interesting Aguero's not really bringing much traffic in and he only got an assist at the weekend despite that you know very tasty home fixture against Newcastle where you can see them in potentially um, you know pulling a return I think the price is probably putting a lot of people off, especially um, considering Harry Kane seems to be a must at the moment. And Firmino, in comparison, has got a much kinder price at 9.1 and fits into our teams a lot easier. Uh, but Kane as well, though, some people don't own him still. Maybe they the Kane Exeter still, but he's also attracting transfers in after his brace against Everton. 58,000 transfers in. They've got Southampton away next. So that's a good fixture. Um, you can potentially see more goals for Harry Kane, but then the fixtures do stiffen a little bit for Spurs. But um, but Son, his teammate as well, who you sold. So. Yeah, I did. Yeah. 
he, he's had Oops. a thousand transfers in um, so far this uh, game week as well. And obviously people are kind of seeing that he's 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 um, he's nailed in the Spurs team now. He's put in quality performances week in week out. He's quite he's got quite a decent price as well at eight point one. So he's attracting um, transfers. And finally, there's another. Person, um, perhaps um, we haven't mentioned him yet on the pods, but that's um, Ayu of uh, Swansea. He's got he's only five point one, and he seems to be quite free scoring at the moment. But Swansea have some tough fixtures: Liverpool and Arsenal up next. So perhaps isn't perhaps he isn't the answer to our uh, third striker problems at the moment. No, definitely not. Um, I think the third striker slot is one of those places where sorrow drips into your heart through the pinhole for every striker you've got. Like, you know, you initially you kind of think, yeah, that that's great. You know, like I had you know Dal- uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who obviously was scoring and assisting for a little while, uh, but now it's a case with Calvert-Lewin where you know I think you know, you're beautiful. We don't think you don't mean a thing to me. It's time to get someone else in. And I can see why people are getting IU in um, after scoring, I suppose. But as you say, the fixtures aren't that great. And uh, you know, uh, Wilson's probably one worth mentioning as well. He's, he's been brought in by 30,000 people so far. Um, as I said, the stats were really quite encouraging. Uh, West Ham, Chelsea, and then Stoke, Huddersfield, and Newcastle. So four out of five good fixtures in the next five. Um, I can see why that's kind of going on. But yeah, interesting market at the moment, an interesting take. I'd be interested to see whether uh, Lingard's shot up to the top of NTI at the moment in terms of activity. And I'll be interested to see whether people do quickly bail on him. And, you know, I've got a 0.1 rise out of him. So it'd be interesting to see whether uh, whether people like me do decide to, you know, follow the market, follow the herd and sell off. Thanks for that, Nick. Uh, let's take a break and then we'll move on to the community section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's uh, time to check up on the Who Got the Assist mini league. And uh, still at the top is Damitane Lalana Nant. He's... Um, He's been, uh, yeah, I think he was top for a long time, but he's been slowly dropping a little bit in terms of overall points. And uh, on his tail now is uh, Stevie Sunshine with Cruise Control, who had a great week. He scored 92 points in total. He's also still in the FPL Cup. So, uh, yeah, great week for him. Well done, Stevie. Um, uh, shout out as well to two girls, one slap, Andrew Ferguson, still doing very well. Uh, ben Sutton, Terabads, and uh, DBFC for David Bellamy. That- uh, bring up the top five in total. So yeah, good week for all those guys. Let's just mention that FPL Connect. Um, Simon's going to come on in game week twenty six. Um, we mentioned this last week. His website uh, well known for captaincy and press conferences and frequent ad hoc. Uh, Simon says articles on particular issues that are going on each week, and he's just today announced that he'll be taking asking the community what they want him to investigate. So look out for that. Um, he's at FPL Connect on Twitter. And uh, just to quickly mention as well that I watched uh, Soccer Saturday and the Spurs game on Saturday. In in fact, some uh, excellent company. Chief, who was on who was on the pod a couple of weeks ago, FPL Hints, FPL Viper, Stag all the way from Ireland, uh, Matt from Yahoo, and FPL Editor at Fancy Football Fix. A great bunch of guys. Give them a shout out. Let's move on to the uh, to the questions, and Nick. And uh, we've we've had a lot this week, and I'm really sorry if we haven't quite got to you. But these are the a few ones that we, we're going to take this week. The first one's from David Slade on Facebook, the Unfilled FPL Group, who asks, "Is it worth planning now uh, for the blank game week in 28?" And uh, yeah, I think that's an interesting question for sure. Uh, what do you think, Nick? You only have five transfers before game week 28. So you have to use them wisely and you have to, I guess, um, have a look at game week 28, who's not playing and uh, 
think of it that way because I know at one point you were suggesting perhaps um, a triple Manchester City was a good idea Tom and that was something you were potentially thinking about but um, they're one of the teams that aren't going to play very it's very likely that Manchester City are going to blank in game week 28 so I think you have to think you have to think maybe I shouldn't um, load up too heavily on Manchester City despite their four decent fixtures uh, coming up um, Arsenal are another team with a few decent fixtures but they um, they're also likely to blank in, in game week 28 so maybe resist on the Arsenal moves but I think I think it's just it's just worth looking at your team. It's Chelsea, Man U, Arsenal, Manchester City. There is a chance that all four of those teams will blank in that week. And if you've got up to 10 players in those teams, you might start thinking, hmm, maybe I should start um, transferring out and unloading a couple of those guys, thinking perhaps about um, teams like Liverpool, perhaps, who have a, a nice fixture against West Ham at home on 28. Because um, I think you, ha- I have, you have to bear it in mind, to be honest. So I wouldn't I wouldn't over worry. I think um, don't concentrate too much on on game week 28 until perhaps an, a couple more game weeks. Once once we finally know who's actually playing as well, it, I think it's um, it's worth holding out for. But I think just just check your team. Make sure it's not too um, too heavy in terms of Manchester City and Arsenal, especially because that game looks like it's the most likely to be cancelled. Yeah, for sure. I think you know you've you've got to spend some uh, some time. And think about the fact that you know, game week twenty eight. Yeah, it's definitely to think about. But as you said, it's still a, a fair number of transfers away. Um, uh, Man City, Man United, and Chelsea are probably the three teams. I think uh, Arsenal. Maybe you've got one, um, but those are the three who are properly in the meta at the moment. And um, you've got to be really thinking about that because if you know, a lot of it depends on if Arsenal beat Chelsea, then the uh, Man United Chelsea fixture is on. There's only one blank. Um, but yeah, if if you've got that triple Man City, um, which is the one thing which has kind of pushed me away from that kind of situation, even though the fact is that the fixtures are quite good, um, I'd kind of be you know, a little bit worried about that. Um, but I think the big one at the moment is looking like game week 31. I mean, yeah, you can plan for, for, for 28. I think that's something that you can bear in mind and have in your head. But there's only a kind of a few teams which are affected. But game week 31 is the biggie. And I think that it is getting to that time of year when it is quite a good idea, in my view, to have a, uh, a free transfer in your back pocket as much as you can. At any point where your team is looking okay, like, you know, there's always going to be a transfer you could probably make. But anytime your, tra- your team's looking okay, that might be a really good time to hold on to your transfer. And I think that that probably links to Stephen Boardman's question as well. Um, so Stephen asked us, would it be best to hold transfers this week unless your team has injuries? Um, given after game week 24, uh, we'll know the blanks for 28. And there's also 10 days after the next one uh, before game week 25. I posted on Twitter as well, and I have mentioned this today, that I was looking at Callum Wilson in for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But the fact is, I think that having those two free transfers, especially with the transfer window open, uh, especially with a few different factors coming into play um, in, t- in terms of the cups and you know the injury risk and all this kind of thing, having two free transfers is going to be really, really precious at this point. Um, I mean, 
that sounds incredibly conservative and careful, doesn't it, Nick, from me, actually? Um, is that something that you're doing? Of course, it's something you're doing, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I wasn't actually thinking about rolling my transfer this. Um, what? I still want to do the Morata to Firmino move that I'm definitely eyeing up. I think it's worth it, despite Morata having Brighton away. And, of course, I'm probably going to get a hat-trick out the blue because I've been... You know what's going to happen, Nick. You know as soon as, you, as soon as you do it, you know you're going to be like, oh, my God, you can't find nothing at all and there was nothing there all along you're going to well, be like oh. yeah. <laughs> I don't know but I'm, I think it's it's worth doing that move um, um, I think um, I'm missing out on a lot of points by not having Firmino and I think it's it's time to to finally uh, give Roberto a, a chance in my my team and uh, yeah unfortunately Alvaro is, is the man that's going to be potentially leaving but I, I can understand why you might think about rolling the transfer especially after a successful game week and you've also got um, options on the on the bench as well. Everton have a decent fixture as, as well this game week, so I think you'd probably be tempted to play Kenny or at least have him as your um, your first choice yeah. substitute. So yeah, I've got a decent side um, at the end of the day. I mean, I've got Ogbonna playing Bournemouth, but you know, it's just one of as I said a minute ago, it's one of those things where at, at the moment it's it's just looking like. Um, one of those times where it is probably a good thing to roll the roll the transfer and have it in your back pocket. I mean, you can always go nuclear and have the uh, play the mini wild card, um, which is obviously free transfers for a minus four. But I think that it's time to kind of uh, try to be conservative with your moves and try to just play safe and try to play cautiously. I'm really sorry; it sounds really boring, and we all want to be making you know really, really like you know, maverick moves. But this is not the time at the moment. It feels like one of those times where you've got to hunker down and think about your rank a little bit. And it's not very sexy; it's not very cool. But you know, it's worked for it's worked for you certainly all year, and I think it's going to work for me um, as well. As definitely has worked for me um, for the last kind of few weeks. Um, so thanks very much for those questions, guys. Let's move on. Um, so Rohan Batia um, asks us, is it worth keeping Son uh, with his uh, with his tough fixtures? And a few people have asked us actually about uh, about Spurs players. Um, or is it worth kind of transferring on to the likes of Mares, who we've mentioned, or, or Pogba, who's uh, who, who's recorded nine assists uh, for Man United this season, despite missing ten games, and uh, you know the involvement for Pogba is obviously really high. So, I mean, um, Nick, you've still got um, still got Ericsson, haven't you? So, what's your plan with him? Well, I'm not going to sell him this week with uh, Southampton up next. I'm going to hold him for definitely that fixture. After that, I will be quite tempted to sell him and. Um, I've been kind of shopping around a bit. I guess um, Pogba is a, a very good shout. He's been having a, a great season. I think he actually, considering he's um, he's missed uh, 10 games or so through uh, suspension and injury, his um, overall points is actually incredibly impressive and the amount of goals and assists that he's got as well. I think, um, yeah. yeah, I think Pogba is definitely an option um, as a replacement for um, Ericsson. I'd be quite tempted to um, give Sanchez a run out, but he's he's very expensive as well, depending on his uh, future. I think we talked a little bit about Sanchez before. The yeah, I mean, with Son, anyway, with, 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 you're keeping Ericsson, but you're thinking maybe you're going to move him on when the tough fixtures hit. So I'm guessing yeah. people have got Kane, right? Maybe um, Sane as well as another option. Maybe who? Sane. Maybe Sane as well. Yeah, actually, that's probably a good shout, actually. Um, so FPA footballer just to try to put these together, asked us what transfer to each of you want most want to see happen in this window from an FPL perspective. And, you know, we've mentioned Sanchez a lot. Um, and I think that he is probably the one. Um, 
I'm an Arsenal fan, but if he went to Man United, that'd be good from an FPL perspective because he'd play every week and be and be be awesome. I mean, last year, uh, you know, he's 11.8, but last year he got 24 goals, 11 assists. If he plays Man United, my lord, he could really change things up. He would be a star player, right? And you know, at the end of the day, the player's head's gone. Uh, obviously, Wenger took a risk and. Chile didn't qualify for the World Cup, which destroyed any kind of sense of motivation. Sanchez had to be professional and have that kind of sense of determination about his play and doing the best for himself. But I think that you know, at the end of the day, he, and you know, it's been reported today um, that uh, at the time of recording that City have uh, have withdrawn their interest in Sanchez. Uh, it just seems like you know his his kind of compulsion moments to try to get out of Arsenal. I think we should get rid of him and. Um, now I think we're kind of at a point where if Sanchez goes somewhere else, you know, from an FPL point of view, that would be great. From a uh, from an Arsenal fan point of view, I don't really care anymore. I'm really bored of the saga. I just want want that to move on. Yeah, I think, I think the from, problem is he's, he's very expensive, isn't he? So he's one of those players that you have to tear your team apart essentially to to bring him in. And uh, I, I don't know. I think um, after the sort of the Hazard saga, where I, I took a large hit to to bring him in, um. I'm not really thinking about bringing in even even if he does go to Manchester United. And I think there is a risk as well um, that he might um, decrease Lingard's minutes as well, which mm. owners will not want to see. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've, at the moment, Lingard's playing in the ten. Uh, you've got Matter on the uh, as a wide creator, and on the other side of him, you've got Rashford slash Martial. And um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if Sanchez cannibalizes the minutes of of maybe all of them. Um, okay, um, so uh, what transfer do you want to see happen uh, from an FPL perspective, Nick? I mean, I've given mine, which is probably Sanchez, on to, to Man United to shake things up a bit, I think, a little bit. What about you? Um, well, it's a tough question. I guess from an FPL perspective, it would be nice to see um, Ben Davis uh, nailed again, so maybe Danny Rose can clear off <laughs> if we're going to talk about United again. <laughs> from our own clubs leaving. Then, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to see Ben Davis nailed down that left-back position. He's very kindly priced again at 5.5. Um, started picking up the clean sheets again, but if he can start getting those uh, goals and assists that he saw at the beginning of the season, he could be a, a very, um, very decent uh, defensive asset to own for the close of the season. Okay, cool. So uh, yours is more about kind of freeing someone up, whereas mine's more about kind of the uh, the unknown part of things. I mean, you can I, go to Dortmund or something. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I'll but... Take him overseas um, to like say <laughs> Maybe. All right, and the, the the final kind of question: uh, a few people have spoken about the defense. So FPL Dalmatian said he's trying to move Vertonghen on. Who's the best defender up six million? Um, Lee from FPL Family asked us. Um, Stones or Van Dyke, which obviously fits into that particular paradigm. And Andrew Yee um, asked us ab- ab- about Shaw being an option. Obviously, you just alluded to the fact that maybe Danny Rose is obviously on there, on record as saying he wants to go back up north uh, over the summer. Uh, so maybe that might invalidate Shaw. But you know, better defender options on the six million. I mean, you know, you've got Otamendi perhaps higher than that. You've got Alonso higher than that. And there's probably a stock set of players, you know, like, you know your Masuaku slash Ogbonna, Probably Kenny and probably uh, maybe a Dunk or a Duffy owned by a lot of people right now, or maybe saw a residual Burnley defender. But you know, under six million, Nick, who's your kind of man? Who are you looking at if you if you were to make a defensive transfer? Well, um, I drafted in Phil Jones last uh, game week. He's only five point seven, so he could, he fits the bill in terms of price. Uh, Manchester United. Um, they're top for sort of clean sheets for season. They've had twelve clean sheets alongside Chelsea so far. So they've been they've been very um, defensively solid 
all season and, and Jones has generally been in the bonus points as well. He he's um I think he's had one of his uh, most consistent seasons for a long time. He hasn't had as many injury problems this season compared to the seasons of past where he's been typically quite injury prone. So I think I think Jones is a great shout for the Manchester United defence. Um, Luke Shaw, I, I don't know about him. I mean, he's, he's having a run of games at the moment and he's very kindly priced, but can you trust Marino to continue to play him or is, or is Shaw going to like annoy him just because he, he forgot his sandwiches or something like that? <laughs> Not being picked for a run of games. So I think, um, I think Jones for me... Um, it's someone that I drafted in and, and very pleased with um, with that call. The, the problem with Liverpool defence as well, there's a lot of rotation. I think Virgil van Dijk's a very interesting option that a few people have been weighing up as a potential. Um, he, he unfortunately had a knock, so he missed the, uh, the game of the weekend. But Liverpool's fixtures are, are good enough that it might be tempting just to bring him in as a, as a random differential. And then uh, Leicester again, Maguire, I think he's still quite a decent option in terms of what he's... Uh, Done in terms of performances this season, yeah, I know, but I mean, the, 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 the kind of the alarm of caution has been sounded by a few Maguire owners, long term Maguire owners, who say, you know what, you know, the fact is that Leicester can't really keep a king sheet at the moment, and uh, you know, owning Maguire is more about the attacking returns and hoping that they come through. And some of it might, you know, be be questionable as to whether that's going to happen, but yeah, you know, I think, I think broadly, it's probably going to be going to be Maguire for me. Uh, just just in terms of the fact that you can you can leave him there and be kind of quite happy about the fact that he's got decent fixtures coming up and I think it's just one of those things that you know if you feel discouraged there's lack of color here you can never be completely sure about about the defense I never kind of completely trust any defender apart from maybe Alonso uh, to get me points and uh, a lot of it's just going to be about the fact that you look at the fixtures you think you know what I'm going to minimize my defensive moves and you're just hoping that you know the ones that you've got the 4.5s that you've got can come in and do a job for you week week on week but in the absence of someone like Burnley being able to being able to create a, a sense of kind of imperviousness because of their uh because of because of how good they are at the back and how undervalued they are in terms of the, the returns they're getting um I think now it's just time to play the fixtures and if if a player is uh, you know obviously you've got your Kenny situation with someone coming back but if a player is not returning and if a team is not keeping other sides out then that might be time to you know think that it's time to to move them on okay Nick um let's move on to the end of the pod Let's talk about captain choices and changes for next week. So as you probably might have guessed, um, I'm not going to be doing anything this week. I look at my team and think, you know, we look like giants and we've got a decent uh, set of fixtures, a decent 4-4-2, an okay bench, which is a bench. (laughs) Sounds really stupid. Uh, But a bench, which is going to, you know, they'll come on and get me one or two points, which is basically all you want at the end of the day. So I think I'm probably going to be leaving it. And I think I'm probably going to be captaining Mo Salah out of guilt. <laughs> what about you? Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be Morata out. For Firmino, um, it seems to make sense in terms of their trajectories, in terms of performances recently. Morata's really been off the boil. Whilst Firmino is proving the doubters wrong. So I think that's potentially going to be my move. The only thing putting me off is the fact that Chelsea's fixtures are still very kindly. They've got four great fixtures uh, coming up. So I'm like, oh, is this is this really a sensible move? Should I just leave it like like what you're doing? But um, I'm probably I'm probably going to leave it until Friday and then just make my decision based on what happens in the press conferences. Um 
And then, uh, yeah, so that's most likely my move. Um, for captain, I've got it on Kane at the moment. I'm tempted just to leave it on him, to be honest. It's like pushing my luck, captaining him him again, I think. But Because um, I think Salah is, is a great shout as well. But at the moment, it's on Kane. It's, it's almost like a, a flip of a coin, isn't it, between those two at the moment in terms of who the captain Oh, yeah, well, we've spoken about that ad nauseam already on the pod anyway. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think you can't go wrong with either option. Um, so, obviously, there's a theme to each pod. And last week, obviously, we had Alex on, and uh, the theme was Coldplay. Disapproving, I- I'd probably say, uh, John T was first in. This week's is a bit tougher, and I will be incredibly impressed if anyone got it in the first couple of minutes. Yeah, great. And uh, it's time to reiterate who we are. So the, the glove compartment's inaccurately named, but who got the assist isn't, because it's all about who got the assist. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL or online at whogottheassist.com. The uh, lead code is 1538-17403, and we'll be back after game week 24. Thanks very much, guys. I hope this assisted you. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.